iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. Uh, we like to think this is the best place to get a review of the weekend's football action. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and today we are truly blessed because one of my all-time favorite football writers, in my opinion, the second best in the history of the Times sports pages, George Calkin will be joining us on the phone. He's written a piece in The Game about physios at Sunderland. I know when I put it like that, it sounds boring, but it's actually very, very good. Uh, we're also going to be... Um, Maybe taking a gander at uh, people moving to China. Maybe a little bit of uh, Rawit and Zola, which I don't fully understand, but uh, my guests do. I am especially excited because joining us down the line from the idyllic hamlet of Rippenden, it's the outstanding, the very excellent Ollie Kay. In the studio is, once again, Julian Lawrence and James Scowcroft. We're going to start at the Etihad. Now, City and Arsenal, um, before we get into this, I, I'm going to make another heartfelt plea. I did this through through Twitter last year. If anybody wants to contradict me or join in, please do. Uh, so we have Match of the Day on Saturday night, and then on Sunday night, some of us are used to watching Match of the Day 2. Some weeks when there's a big Monday night game, nope, no Match of the Day 2 for you. Why don't you go and wait till Monday, okay? Okay. Um, this happened again last night because it's the uh, it's the Merseyside Derby on Monday night, and I want to say this is just stupid. Uh, when when I tweet this out, people are like, "Well, but it's the rights. The BBC don't have the rights to show it." And blah blah blah. You know what? When you sell the contract, Premier League, just poke the BBC and remind them, "Hey, BBC, some weeks there's going to be really big Monday night games, and so." Why don't we work something out? Since you get eight minutes of highlights of every game, why don't we just work something out so that you can do uh, a shorter show on a Monday night and a slightly longer one? If you want to make it digital, put it on on, on BBC Four or or whatever, that's fine too. Hide it behind the red button if you've got something else that's really important to show. <laughs> Sometimes clever people do things I don't understand. Richard Scudamore in the Premier League, they're very clever at selling things and marketing their game very well. If somebody has a really good explanation as to why they haven't taken this into account or consideration, some of our, our friends in the Premier League press office, Dan Johnson, people like that, please feel free to let me know. On to the game now. So Arsenal take an early lead through Theo Walcott, and then they kind of throw it all away. Now, Julian, help me. So they take the lead, and I saw like, oh, look, they are sitting deeper. Uh, this is great. They're going to do to them what uh, what other clubs have done have done to City, most notably Leicester and, uh, and and Chelsea. At the end of the first half, Arsenal are back in that game. They're dominating it, and they, that there was room there for a second goal that would, probably would have killed it. And it's the problem. And I, I do think that physically, 
they simply couldn't do, they couldn't exploit all the, that space in front of them that Leicester and Chelsea Why? did What's so well. Why? What's the problem? I don't know. I think physically there's an issue there. I mean, we'll talk about Mesut Ozil later, but I, I just... Alexis Sanchez is a machine, as we've said before. Physically, he never feels anything. The guy can run forever. He's like Forrest Gump. No problem. I think the others, physically, there's an issue there where maybe they can't repeat the effort. Maybe they just, I don't know, there's something. Maybe they've played too much. He hasn't rotated. I don't know. But it looked to me that physically, there was a time where they couldn't take all that space in front of them. Sko, are you buying this Arsenal are physically unprepared? I don't think they they could get to a tempo that Man City got to in the second half I don't think I think Julian's right to, to that point I think their ball retention needs to be a lot better so when's the last time you said that when's the last time we said that about Arsenal their ball retention is poor in the big games we're now talking no 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 but, but it's remarkable what you're saying because we don't normally associate Arsenal with giving the ball away no but there, there, there's two no but there's many different types of, of possession right so when you play the lower league teams at home and you pass it and you have your 70% possession but the the key facts in possession and the top, top players can go into a game like a Man City away, give me the ball and I'll keep the ball and won't give it away. And if I do give it away, I still want the ball and I'll still pass the ball. And for me, so many Arsenal players just went missing in the second half. When the going gets tough, I thought Man City up the gear. You know, I know Pep's come out and said, oh, we've been working on transition and this, that and the other, which I thought they were very, very good. Um, but just Arsenal, just you know, the top players that you expect to, to be a lot better. Ollie, I don't just want to be negative and blame those who come up short, so let's give some credit. Um, and maybe, again, you can help e- explain this because you live closer to Pep's house than any of us do. All these things of sort of intensity and, and, and fight back and whatever else, that and, and directness that City supposedly don't have, um, they were all very evident in display in the second half. Uh, is that a credit to, to, to Pep? I mean, is he actually not just a pretty passing guy, but maybe one of those sort of inspirational halftime speech type guys? I think they've, they've, his teams have always tried to play with great intensity. I, I think that, that, that has never been uh, you know, a regular criticism. of them. It was a big improvement in that the intensity was there and De Bruyne and Sai and Silva and Sterling and Toure were all on the ball a lot more. To me, it wasn't of the standard of, of, of what City were doing in the in the first couple of months of the season when they were when, when sort of on, on the crest of the waves, it, it didn't have to be because Arsenal didn't make them work that hard. Well, to be fair, really, the, really nice goals. But. It, it, it couldn't have been, right? Because, I mean, there's no Aguero, there's no Gundogan, there's no Fernandinho. Mm. When, when I looked at that, with, with Fernando and Yaya Torre, uh, I love Yaya, but you obviously, you can't press when Yaya is in there. Um, no. And Fernando... I think is kind of like a right back playing in central midfield, right? He's not going to un, and especially when, when when Arsenal seem to sort of be neat and tidy and ten guys behind the ball. Um, Pep necessarily had to find a different solution, I thought, and surely that's a credit to him, no? Yeah, it is. And, and I, I mean, they, they they moved the the front three around in, in the um, for the second half, and I, I thought they got Sane and Sterling in much better positions, um, and De Bruyne able to influence things a lot more silver able to influence things a lot more I, 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 it was it was a vastly improved um, performance but as I said I, I don't think it was of the level that, that City were producing earlier in the season I don't think it had to be I think Arsenal were unable to, to cope with a, a team a City team which found third gear um, and uh, you know they didn't have to hit the heights that, that, that they would would and will expect to, to, to hit over the rest of the season I want to move it on to what was a bit of a mystery to me, 
Um, those of us who are Pep Guardiola fans, uh, we're, sometimes we're left, again, I, I, I like to think of this not as criticism, but sort of staring in wonder and failing to understand things. I don't understand the dropping of John Stones, and I certainly don't understand his reasons for it. Um, I'm going to read this quote here from Paul Hurst's piece. He says, I just apologize to John because he doesn't deserve to be out. It's obviously the second straight uh, game that he's out. I love him a lot. He's a really nice guy and he is good. But I just tried to do the same back four we played against Watford. Bakari Sanya also deserves to play. He's the nicest person I've ever met. Uh, I met Bakari Sanya too. He's a super nice guy. I don't know if he's the nicest person I have ever met in my lifetime, but maybe <laughs> yeah. I've met nicer people than than, than Pep has. Um, and then he goes back to says, I decided to play the same back four. Okay, I get it, right? But Ollie, I appreciate principles, ideas of cohesion and whatever else, but surely notions of quality and tactics come into it, right? And the way Watford play is different from the way Arsenal play. Mm. Their strikers are different than Arsenal strikers. Uh, and John Stones is, I think, objectively, a better option at centre-back than um, my mate Alexander Kolarov. Mm. Why does he die? Is, is, it, is, it really, is it really like once you dig past all the BS, these, these footballers really are just a bunch of superstitious guys? They're like, ooh, I'm not going to change a team that works. They'd kept a clean sheet in the previous game and, and they hadn't kept a clean sheet for a long time with Stones in the team. And Stones has been playing poorly. In a game like this where you have fewer passers because Fernando is in midfield, wouldn't this have been an obvious game to play Stones? I, I don't. I mean, yeah. is there something else? Can, can anybody offer a better explanation than Pep's or indeed Ollie's, which is that, that we kept the clean sheet in the last game? I think the only explanation is that, you know, he, he dropped stones against Watford, I believe, because of the pressure of, you know, Troy Deeney's playing and long boards and this and that, and he didn't want to put him under pressure after the mistakes he made. And then because, like Ollie said, because he didn't concede, because he kind of worked against Watford he thought I'm going to keep the same one and then he changed at half time but taking Zaba, Zabaleta off and bringing Sanya on so clearly he admitted it was not the best of ideas to keep the same back four so maybe maybe there right. is room for Stones as well to come back Todd Pep if you're listening tweet us um, enlighten us I, 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 don't, I don't want to get into this thing where we just criticise teams when they lose and he won and all credit to them for the second half I just genuinely don't understand how this fits into what he's trying to do well, the issue so, now is you, you don't change a winning team, do you? So you leave them out. Well, that, that's what I mean, but that's a stupid thing to say. Like, I know I know people are like that, but there's no evidence that you don't change a winning team. Why? It's just one of those stupid football cliches. You do change a winning team based on the opposition, based on who you have, uh, and, and whatever else. Maybe, maybe Stones was out specifically with Dini. Maybe he had a knock in, on Wednesday. And by the way, if there's a guy who changes winning teams and who's changed winning teams all season, it's been Pep. He's done it his entire career. He's yeah. changed winning teams, so it's it's a very it's another sort of unpep like move. They, um, by the way, they were Hull City for the next game. Do you bring him back for that? Do you keep Otamendi and? Or you don't change the winning team. Um, winning team. <laughs> all right, Arsene Wenger not happy at all. Um, he blames referee Martin Atkinson. Talks about referees being protected, like lions in the zoo. Which I thought is, is that some kind of like French translation? Because I, I would have thought, you know, 
there's a better lions don't generally need no. much protecting they can kind of look after themselves but like protection it means the cage yeah That's yeah true. so the monkeys are also behind the cage and so are elephants in a zoo so why so not like mention- what i know I don't, I don't know. Okay, so it's not a French so thing. So it's not a French thing. Maybe sorry. it's an Alsatian thing. Yeah, maybe it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's different. His point was, you can't go near them. Yeah, and they're... But you, know, you can't go near... The you can't so, criticize them. Okay, so... You can't so, go near the ref. You can't... You can't. Yeah, I know, but the, but the point is, in a zoo, the cage is there not just for the protection of the lion. So they don't eat It's for the well. protection <laughs> of the people. Like, if you were to go up to a lion, so I know you're big and strong and athletic, my money would probably be on the lion. <laughs> What do you think? Assuming you're not armed. I think I'm you're being very harsh on Mr. Wenger. Does he have a point, Ollie? Well, about, about the, the offside, and it's interesting looking at the, um, looking at the analysis of the, of the decisions and um, you know, the, 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 the various newspaper, uh, newspapers which have referees as, as columnists. And, like the Times. Um, there seemed to be a feeling that there was so little you know, it was such a marginal decision that that you would go with you know that you would give the attacker the benefit of doubt that seems to be the consensus you're talking about the first goal here uh i'm talking about both both of them that that, that seemed to be the the interpretation of of keith hackett and and of graham paul i don't think, don't think we had howard webb in the times today um but it, it's um you know, it was those absolutely marginal decisions and and you know people can look at Look at those freeze frames, whichever way they like, because you know, one guy's facing forward with his arms ahead of him, but, but if you look at where their feet are, it, they seem to be pretty much level. It's certainly one where, if you were talking about giving the benefit of the doubt, you, you would understand why the linesmen had, had done that. But, and, you know, the, the Sterling goal was a different case, but it's, um, but, you know, that, there's also a sort of benefit of the doubt argument for that one, isn't there? It's also the fact that was, um, was David Silva, was mm. he actually interfering with the opponent, right? Which I'm not sure he was. When when mm. they asked Czech about it, he says, well, there were a lot of people standing in front. Yeah, he's, he's referring to, people, to the, he's referring to the defenders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of you know, who, are, who are supposed to be standing there. <laughs> Makes me laugh, really, because Premier League rules state that you have to come out and speak to the media. You have to do three interviews, is it? You have to do the TV. The... So you get asked, what do you think the referees? I don't think the Oh, you can't say that. That's a fine. So... You know, look, look at it from Arsene Wenger's point of view. He's lost the game. I think the first goal is offside, and and watching it, I thought that looks offside to me. I agree. It was obvious. You know, and, and these are so fine margins in the Premier League between winning and losing. And and if you if you actually look and you give the the, the linesman the benefit of the doubt, what I always think is give him a split second to see it and react. So if you actually give him that benefit, is even further offside. Mm. So you know, Arsene Wenger's. Many different reasons by yesterday, but one is that you know the linesman has let him down. You know, I think it's offside. I don't even think it's close. Ozil, God, he got absolutely crucified. Ollie, can you explain to us why he was so crucified, and whether it's a justification of anything? Well, his second half performance was was, was poor, undoubtedly, as it had been at Everton on 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 Tuesday night. And it's it's if you look at the real star players in the Premier League, and you talk about somebody like Hazard, somebody like Aguero. Something like Sanchez, um, those guys seem remarkably adept at dealing with the, the sort of relentlessness of, and physicality of Premier League football and playing week in, week out. <laughs> Ozil seems to me to, to have these games where where, where he struggles. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't look as uh, he, he looks in, in need of a, a break sometimes. He, he doesn't often get one. He doesn't very often get rotated or rested. But in the con- you know in the present context within. A slightly fraught state of, of contract negotiations. I'm, I'm sure it will go down a lot. Um, 
you know, I'm sure it will be interpreted another way, but I, I don't think it's a guy not trying or, or not lifting away. I think it's probably a guy who, who's tired. And, and would it perhaps have made um, sense to take him off? Jules, um, is... Should he, he be rotated more? Is, is this something? I mean, Arsenal of all this sports science thing. Wenger's been in the game a long time. He's rotated people in the past. I, I would have thought, I mean, I'm a big Iwobi fan. I think you could do some of the things that Ozil does out there. I mean, you have a bunch of, of other, even with Ramsey and Casorla out. Or or is this an unfair criticism? You just have to accept the fact that this is the way he is and he's going to have some bad games. Yeah, or is he playing badly issue. on purpose, as Ollie no. said, was not the case? No, no, so no of course that. he okay. didn't. My issue is that it's, is too often in those big games, especially away from home, where he doesn't seem to fancy it. He doesn't seem to fancy, you know, the pressing. He doesn't seem to fancy the a bit more physicality. He doesn't seem to fancy this. Because when we talked before about why didn't Arsenal do what Leicester and Chelsea did, they could only do it if Ozil had been on a good day because he was the one to play that ball long into space for you know fast run of Iwobi and Walcott and Alexis and all of that. But they played with ten men. They literally play for you know, okay, so first why, half and well, second half. Okay, so so whether he's tired. Saying, but what, what, a, does Wenger feel the same way about this or does Wenger not see it? It's almost like an Arshavin situation no, where Wenger is in, on forever. Wenger is in awe of Mesut Ozil. And like I think, he was and, with, yeah, and a lot of people It is Arshavin all over again, isn't it? Well, Except um, that Ozil's a lot better. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would say that probably. And, and I think he thinks, like Alexis, we cannot win without him. Those big games, I mean, not, you know, right, not, right. Not those big games. But then he doesn't rest them against the pishy teams either. Either, because do, he's do, under do, pressure do to needs, win them. Do you think he needs different players around him to make him look better? But so, then, so I look at Arsenal yesterday, and we go back to the keeping the ball. Who actually can get on the ball to give Ozil the ball? Yeah, but I think Chaka can, Chaka so if can you, play. If you, put, if you put him in Chelsea's team with Matic and um, Conte. Conte behind him, I think you'd get a lot more out of him. I think you'd, you'd have two players there constantly feeding the ball. And I think he's he's always had his best moments in games where Arsenal are dominating. They've got a lot of possession of the football. I just think a game like yesterday where the team sort of goes missing and they look to their star player, and rightly so, I think there is question marks against him. But I just think if he was in a team that maybe a little bit more... Played with a little bit of a higher tempo, a little bit more physical, I think he would be a better player. Right. Yeah, I do think that Cazorla is a huge help for him in that sense it's and that when and when, like and when Santi you know I mean? just have him in front and when <laughs> Santi is not there I think Ozil feels it and it's not it's not working as well a word to our sponsors who help uh, bring you the game uh, one of the more special ones is FanDuel uh, FanDuel is one day fantasy football now personally I don't like traditional fantasy football because uh the scoring is weird and i don't understand that it seems to only reward attacking players uh and you have to commit for the whole season and you start badly and you lose interest and whatever else well FanDuel avoids all that because they have a scoring system which uh, actually rewards defensive midfielders defenders and so on and it's on something slightly more meaningful than just whether they keep a clean sheet so you actually have to put your mind to it they're short contests. It's one, two days long, and you're in and you're out, and if you do badly, you start the next one with a clean slate. Now, you can play for free, or you can put your own money uh, in there for a bigger playout. I, I've entered the uh, £10,000 uh, fan favorite, which uh, only covers the Saturday games last week. I did not do too well. Uh, that was a £5 entry. because won £1,000 if you finish first. Again, it wasn't me. The way it works, you have 100 million pounds to spend. Uh, there's no subs, no captains, none of that nonsense. Uh, just find the right formation 
you go there and you test your football knowledge. They use the optostats to award points, which is kind of what makes it, in my opinion, rather cool. Um, so you can go to fanduel.co.uk and uh, enter our promo code the game in the promo code field to sign up, and then you get uh, an offer whereby uh, Fanduel will return your entry fee as free credit up to ten pounds if you don't win cash in your first contest. Now I honestly and sincerely hope that you do. What I did it on Saturday, I did not do uh, particularly well, partly because I picked Jamie Vardy and then Craig Pawson sent him off. Uh, hopefully, you will have a lot more luck. Uh, so it's fanduel.co.uk. You'll find all the details there. And remember our promo code, the game. Uh, this is only available in the United Kingdom. And of course, you have to be over the age of 18. Please play responsibly. Term. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Apply. Let's move on to West Brom and United. The baggies are are, are, are tough, but I thought United played really well. It looks like things are kind of coming together for the special one, just as Ollie K predicted. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think I don't think um, it would take a genius to predict that United's form was going to improve after after those sort of difficult first few months. I, I can't remember how long it took them to win their their fourth or fifth game of the season, but it was um, it was it, it took them an awful long time. They were playing reasonably well, not as well as Mourinho was was claiming uh, at some time. I mean, he, he was you know he would have had you believe they were Brazil nineteen seventy against um, against Arsenal at home, which they weren't, but they deserved the three points. I thought they looked more like a Mourinho team for the first time, really, on on um, Saturday. It was it was a it was a very very controlled performance, a very sort of physically strong, quite resilient performance with what I would say is a very unmourinho like, unresilient back four. If you look at Valencia, Jones, Rojo, and Damian, if he's made them look like a, a strong, competent, compact back four, then then he's doing well. I think that's been his. His, his main achievement so far. All right. Uh, I got to throw this out there. Some of us pointed out that with the way this team is set up, then they need like a Michael Carrick to get the best out of Pogba and not stick him in front of the back four. People say, well, for $100 million, he should be able to play anywhere. <laughs> but people who say that are just he stupid. He can play anywhere. No, I know, I know he can play anywhere. But I mean, if you want to get your money's worth, you, you put him in condition. But Michael Carrick is of a certain age, isn't he? Scoey, I think your 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 love of United is is kind of uh, well documented. Are you concerned that if Carrick goes or gets hurt, as you were wont to do at his age, that things will just fall apart again? Um, yeah, my, my is that the thought that keeps you up at night? Is that when you wake one, up one with, one the sheets, with the sheets soaking wet and a freight train running through the middle of your head, That's thinking one, of Michael Carrick? One, one of many. Um, Michael Carrick has been a massive player for Manchester United in the last ever since he's come here, really. Um, you know, going back to the Ronaldo days, never got the credit he deserves. Never to 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 think he's only ever won thirty four England caps. The Euros last year, he's sitting at home whilst a sort of a the centre forward 
is playing in, in midfield is baffling at all. <laughs> and Dele Alli. But no, um, we, 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 no, no, no. So, so his point. So what he's, happens if Carrick... What happens well, if Carrick... Is there anybody else who can do what Carrick does? Because it's unrealistic to expect Carrick to play every minute of every game, right? No, he, he brings a lot of control. So, go back to the Arsenal game. Arsenal exactly need a Michael Carrick yesterday that can take the ball off the back four, that can keep the ball and just get Arsenal back in the game. And the last, I think it's the last 12 games since Carrick's come back in the team, Manchester United, one ten, drawn 2. In the summer, I think Carrick wasn't in Mourinho's plans. If, if you no, look at the, no. the start of the season, I think he's all of a sudden, thought, God, I've got to somehow get the winning formula and he's come up with Michael Carrick. The big man, Ibrahimovic, um, a big bulk of the media in this country and the punditocracy, right, didn't like him. He didn't like him because he was lazy, because he's big, because of the stupid ponytail, because of the weird mannerisms, because of the Route 1. And now he's here. I'm assuming everybody kind of respects at least his ability. Personally, I found him a bit annoying, but he's really, really good, Scoey. How difficult is it at 35 to do what he's doing? Um, it's very, very hard. You were still playing at 35. How does your body change? And you were... I'm not saying you were Ibrahimovic, but you were also a larger person who was more about technically gifted. And I can see the where you're coming from. You weren't in there for your blistering pace, the way same way Ibrahimovic isn't. You were in there. He's quicker than what you think. Okay, he's quicker than you. Yeah, and you probably. But but what I'm saying is, can you? How does your body change when you hit 35? Well, it slows down, doesn't it? Your metabolism slows down. You change, but I think. You know, this one thing that surprised me, I saw him in the charity shield and he did not move. And I thought this is going to be a disaster for Manchester United because he was so immobile. He seems to have got fitter as the Premier League's gone on. I don't know if there's any facts or, or, you know, I saw him at Palace during the week and I thought he was very, very good. If you look at his run that he makes in the last five minutes for the gold, um, I just think he's so mentally strong. I think that is his strength. I think technically he's, 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 technically he's very, very good. I think he's a presence which you need from a number nine, and I think he ticks most most roles there. But can, can you what name... I would say is the last two or three, you know, he's coming to, he's in his best form, but he did have a run where he was no, non-existent. You know, again, if you look you at the bigger picture... The analytics people would say he had a run where he was taking really good shots, high-quality shots, and they weren't going in. Well, no, he, and he it wasn't was statistical variance. But can you, can, can, can you guys name... Three players who are more talented uh, in terms of technical in gifts in the Premier League right now. Oh, I don't think there's many. No. All right, I I, you, so. you guys can think about. It. You can tell me later. No, but the thing, the thing about it, he might have got fitter. I don't know. But the one thing is that he was very intelligent in the way he realized that he had to change his game because he's not playing the same way as he did at PSG or that he did in Italy before. He. How, how did he play at PSG? Just. He's curiosity. running more. He's running more. But now, make, yeah, yeah, making more effort. Uh, he his runs are different because at PSG, he felt whether he felt the need of dropping deeper a bit more or he just liked it because he, that was his team and he was doing whatever he wanted at PSG, which is not the case at United. Or maybe he just feels that United doesn't need to drip to drop deeper because yeah. that player is there. He also drop and have Cavani cut in for yeah, the wing. Yeah, true. Which well, one thing maybe I United as well, he feels like there's no need for him to drop deeper because there are yeah. players who will yeah. pass him the ball like, like Pogba. Well, yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the one thing I noticed at Palace on Wednesday night. Him and Pogba had a fantastic connection together. They're best friends. They are best friends. If people it's, don't know that, they and are and he's, best he's, he's clever. With, you know, being 35, he'd have a lot of experience. His movement was fantastic. And every time Pogba got the ball... You know where are you, and, and and he would look for him. You know it wouldn't be this. Well, now pass it five yards sideways backwards. But he's it's, a very clever guy, and I think he realised pretty quickly 
that if he wanted to be a success here, he'd have to change a little bit. Not, 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 not dramatically. He doesn't run as much as Jimmy Vardy, but he had to change a bit. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that, for, in a way, adapting himself to the Premier League and not... I don't think it's a shame he didn't come six or seven years ago. I mean, we we could have seen three or four. But then maybe at that time he would have behaved differently because at that time when he was in his prime, he might not have thought as much of, okay, I also need to to change, to do something different to be a success here. He probably would have gone in and said, like, I'm going to do my stuff and he's going to work. And he, he might not have worked at the time. My concern with United signing Ibrahimovic was this, is that historically teams on which Ibrahimovic plays play bad football because the ball just ultimately just goes through through him. Either that or they just ignore him the way ended up happening at, at, at Barcelona. On top of that, you're not really building anything because when Ibrahimovic goes, unless you sign Godzilla and teach him how to play football, you're not going to replace Ibrahimovic with somebody similar. You're going to replace him with somebody completely different. United will have to start from scratch. And in those two years, whatever Mourinho has built attacking-wise, they're going to have to go back to to the drawing board on. It's been replaced anywhere he's been before and, 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 you know, it worked and even teams where he left then won the Champions League after he'd gone. So Has PSG replaced him? Cavani has scored more goals than him. Uh, yeah, but, after, but, sorry, but those teams that you described changed the way they play. Yeah. I mean, Inter Milan changed and won the Champions League after true, he left. but why can't United do that once, he, once he's gone as well? It's not, it's just, you, you can you can play in a certain way for I, I, I think I think Manchester United Will realize, I think they've realised for a little bit now they need a younger centre-forward. I, I still think Martial and Rashford could come through and do it, but I think they're going to have to spend big in the next... And yet another centre-forward. So they're going to have Ibrahimovic, Martial, Rooney. Karak and Ibrahimovic are probably going to go. They might get one season out of them both next year, but they need to be replacing it, and they are key players. Right, moving on in our debate this week, uh, we're going to make this short and we're going to make it sweet. But uh, it looks as if Oscar is uh, moving from Chelsea to China for an enormous sum of sixty million. I think was a was a figure we've seen uh, uh, quoted. Ollie, a number of your brethren were kind of disappointed that Oscar is doing this. They didn't stop short of calling him greedy, but they kind of felt that he shouldn't be doing this. I I am curious. If you were in Oscar's situation, would you take a pay cut to go play somewhere else? Or would you say, you know what, I'm 25, I'll go for China for a couple of years, I'm still playing for Brazil, this isn't such a bad thing? I know it's very easy, you know, when we talk about footballers to say, oh, what's another million? Why go, why go somewhere for, you know, for another million? But you know, I don't know what Oscar's um, background is, person, personal background, but... It's, it is a short career. The sums on offer in China are so enormous. There are going to be more and more players taking those offers in the same way. And I wrote a column on it on, on Saturday. If you go back 10, 20 years, it was it was the Premier League clubs which were which were offering, and, and it probably still is Premier League clubs which are offering far, far, far more money than than is than, than is sensible for certain players. And, you know, it, it, and people. Were, I remember when 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 Ravanelli moved to. Middlesbrough, people mm. had the exact yes, same exactly. reaction. Ravenelli was one of the one of the cases I was, I was thinking of because he he went there when, you know, at his peak when when um, when Juventus had just won the European Cup hadn't they and and, and he was playing for Italy in the, in the Euros and it was it was bizarre that he would not just go to Middlesbrough but it was it seemed bizarre that he he would go to the Premier League at that time and 
that is clearly what the Chinese Super League are trying to do. I think we can all look at it and say these sums are ridiculous. The, you know, the, the, how can we pay Oscar, you know, four hundred thousand pound a week or whatever? But we've got to have a bit of self awareness and say that the rest of the world, the rest of Europe, that's what they think of the Premier League. Anyone who's doing you know, whatever job, if they're offered five times what they earn somewhere else, even in another country, they will think about it. What's important as well is a lot of other players are offered big, big contracts in China and don't, and don't say yes. They don't like take Rooney, them. Like Rooney, yeah, no, supposedly. But, yeah, Rooney, or, but, but Ibra, many, of, many others. Some will go, some won't go. I think maybe it's harder for Europeans to, to go there and you know, live what they have in their country or in, you know, in Western Europe, especially to, to, to go there, maybe for Brazilians who, by nature, uh, leave their country really young to go to Europe, and then may, maybe for them it's a bit easier in terms of culture and, 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 and spirit. But if, if the contract is on the table and you want to take it, right. you can. It doesn't so nobody's going to go and call him greedy and have a go well, at him. Okay, can I ask one you? question? And, and yeah, just to finish, you know, remember we talk about Paulinho not long after the last. Yeah. After they beat Argentina 3 and we said you can also go to China and still play at a very good level, keeping well, your level that's improved. The, that's the thing. You that's know, you're not, the key. You're not no, suddenly going to play in Thailand where even Skowie could still play. Can no. I ask a question? Gavin might be able to answer it. What can you do with 75 million that you can't do with 50 million? Uh, you know, you okay, were a football player. You know, the, the, you always want more money anyway. But it's not just football no, players. It's a level where you think, yeah, oh, no, enough's enough. Right. Well, no, well, I think he's okay. setting a gamble with his career. Like, go and do it in 10 years' time. Don't do it now. Do well, you, you want a serious answer to your question about seventy-five, fifty? He doesn't have fifty million in the bank. Let's just, let's well, he's not on five hundred pound a week, is he? At Chelsea, where he is, I'm sure he's on a very good contract. No, he's not. He's, he is on a very good contract. I actually tried to work this out the other day when he went. My guess, and I could be completely wrong on this. And Kia, if you're listening, if you want to text me and tell me, I'll give you better numbers because uh, I'm guessing he would probably know. I would guess that he has probably earned after tax somewhere between 10 and 12 million pounds, uh, which means that he could probably retire on it and live absurdly well. But since you want to know what you can do with 50 million that you can't do with 10 or 12 million in, in, in liquid assets is you can't take care of an extended family for multiple generations. Uh, you can't buy a private plane. Uh, Big yachts. You can't buy a mega yacht. I'm not saying he wants to do these things. But I can kind of see, like, if in one fell swoop... But, but you're, you're talking about his earnings up to now. He's still got another pff, up to 10 years playing? Yeah, but I know. But as you know, as you well know, he could snap his leg in two or get hit by a bus or blown up by ISIS, and then that's it. What I, what I do think is going to be critical for him and what will ultimately decide whether he regrets it or not is going to be the national team. This is the green and gold. This is five World Cups. This matters to them. And whether they're in China or whether they're in the Premier League... I think matters to a relative amount if they can continue to play at a high level for, for the national side. And he says, do it a couple of years and come back. I don't have a problem with it. Good luck and Godspeed, Oscar. Our beloved George Culkin is waiting on the line. George. Festive greetings to you. Thank you. It's it's an honor and a privilege to, uh, uh, to have you with us. Now, uh, you wrote a piece uh, in the game on Monday as part of the Under the Skin of the Game uh, a series where you basically hung out with um, Sunderland's treatment team. These are the people who, who help you go and recover. Ultimately, and Scoey, you can tell us if this was your experience, um, because physiotherapy just takes so long and footballers just sitting there, and unless he's one of those weirdos who wears his Beats by Dre headphones uh, all the time, 
he ends up talking to the physios, and in some ways, they they, they form. It's, it becomes almost like like therapy, right? I, I think that's. I think that was the sort of thing that sort of made me want to do the piece in the first place because it, I've spoken to physios before, and they sort of almost paint themselves as agony uncles, if you like. That um, and sort of they have probably the most intimate relationships within a football club because as they sort of say they see people at their at their lowest egg their darkest moments and they spend such a huge amount of time with them so that was sort of something that i wanted to to sort of look into and 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 to sort of find out about but i was also kind of blown away uh doing it at, at the premier league level about just sort of how complex and just so you know just how much now goes into the goes into that side of things i mean you sort of you know, when you think about a physio, you used to think about a magic sponge and 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 so that you know that kind of thing, running onto the pitch and that was it. Get up, shake yourself off, and get on with it. But it's actually such a sort of it's now such a technological industry, and it's so integrated with the rest. And, you know, the old stories about how managers would sort of ignoring injured players, that kind of thing. But now everything is integrated and everything's connected. It was reassuring to know that those sort of those very deep relationships still still exist. I was struck by um, one of these guys here is is, is Mike Clegg, who yep. he's a former footballer and he's a contemporary of yours, right? Scoey? is he the United lad, right back? Yeah, yeah. They come on loan to Ipswich. I've heard of him. Is he a physio now? Is he? Yeah, and and he moves on and he reinvents himself um, in that role. Hey, did, did he have a different? I mean, did he bring something different to the table when when you spoke to him? Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he could he he and he had sort of Roy Keane and 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 plenty of others and Gary Neville. Gary Neville was ahead of him in the in the Man United first team, so he's able to kind of relate to to footballers in a way that that possibly others can't. You know, others who've maybe kind of come from an academic background or or purely medical background. And he also suffered in injuries. He's able to sort of, you know, know exactly what they're going through and how it feels, but is also able to use that as a motivational tool. So having played with Roy Keane can use him as an example. But, you know, if you're having a dark moment, don't feel like doing the work in the gym, you, you know, he's able to say, well, you know, you do it now. That might mean another year on your career at the end of it. It could be worth this to you. It could be worth that to you and all that sort of stuff. Um but sort of also, I mean, I was quite interested that his his dad was actually is actually the strength and conditioning coach at Manu, or certainly was. So that that career was in his family, and he sort of said it's it's only that side of it really that's that's given him the fulfill. You know, he feels like this should always have been his career. That this is what his career is building up to, as opposed to the as opposed to the playing side. Uh, the other guy that's interesting here, and again talking about unusual backgrounds, is this um, the, the, this Adrian Lamb guy. Mm -hmm. He's the head of performance, okay? Yeah. And he was in the Merchant Navy. He worked in forestry. He worked on farms. He drove a van. And this is all before he turned 21. <laughs> Wait, don't you have child labor laws in the in the Northeast? I, I don't... Is he also yeah. like a fantasist pulling your leg? Yeah, he comes from a small small village. It's from a farming community. His dad still farms. Um, how you can fit that all in? But it's such a varied experience that, that surely yeah. that must bring another dimension i think to, to, to what he does yeah and 
you know, he certainly has, I think they all sort of have experiences of the real world as well, which I suppose must be a very grounding, which must be a very grounding thing, especially sort of within the bubble of, of football. The sort of level of technology available now is extraordinary. I was sort of, you know, so when players go away, I, I was I was shown sort of a player's off-season guide book. So they have base that they get given during the summer and you see, you know, basic things, what's expected of them. But then they get incredibly personalised sort of exercises to do um, specific to them. And it's, it's in booklet form, but of course it's also on tablet form and in their phones and stuff like that. And they get given GPS watches. They're not expected to wear them all the time, but they are expected to exercise. And when they do, that stuff can be accessed remotely and and looked at no matter where they are in the world. And I was sort of very impressed by that, how, how all sort of injured players, their you know, their training, their their rehab programs are available via sort of touch screens around the building, throughout the building. So there's this everyone knows what everyone's doing, but at the same time it is those it is those moments when these guys are are alone with players that is when they find out what makes them tick and it's really that that <clears throat> sets the tone for for rehab it's those it's those little relationships it's those time together and i don't think that ever ever has changed or ever or ever can change and that i think that's sort of reassuring in some ways sorry i love i love the piece george as always it's brilliant there's one thing i've never heard in england before since i'm here is that expression you are as flat as a fart which i thought was brilliant And also, I think, just, just to continue on your point as well, you can't underestimate the importance of physios in, in a football club. And, and, and I'm sure Scorey would, would back me up on this one. Even for players who are not injured, who just go for a massage, those physios become almost psychologists. It's just so important that someone like Thiago Silva, for example, brought his own physio to PSG from AC Milan. And a lot of players work like that and they're so close to the physio, more than the manager, more than other teammates, more than everybody else. And it's even more important when you're injured. The biggest thing a player has with a physio is is trust because a physio is caught right in the middle. So you're going to yeah. spend a lot, a lot of time in the afternoons. You might even go for... for hospital appointments a long way away I've, I've gone to the opposite end of the country to see a specialist before you're spending a long long time with a physio and you need to gain his trust and so many times I've seen it's happened to myself and other players where that trust has been let down where they've reported everything back to the manager and at the time you think he's his mate and you realize down the line you think well, I'm not quite sure now you know and, and it, it's it's a big role in a club and it, you know I can understand from the physio's point of view because ultimately his boss is the manager it's not the player We were going to talk to Gregor Robertson, who uh, watched uh, Gianfranco Zola's uh, debut for Birmingham City. I will now simply, we're going to have a little segment on this. I will defer because while I know a little bit about Zola, I know very little about the championship, and I make no <laughs> secret about that. I'm going to start with you, Ollie. But basically, this guy, Gary Rowett, who's a former player, was at Birmingham City. He was seen to be doing very well. The instant reaction on Twitter and social media is like, oh, Rowett was hard done by. And they hired Zola simply because he's a big foreign name. Zola's already worked in the championship. Why was Rowett let go? Change of owner. There were there were certain frictions behind the scenes and, and a lack of uh, you know a lack of respect both ways. I think. I mean that, that, that certainly came out over the last few days. But it, it's also a classic case of new owners come in. We want something different. We want something a bit more glitzy. We want a, you know a big name and and you know they they go for. 
Zola man with a four-letter name, but but a, a, a very um, <laughs> big, big big name in terms of in terms of global football. And was there an issue too with before, the fact that they felt that Rowett had been linked to other clubs? Was there an issue too with the fact that they had questions about how committed he would be? Yeah, because there'd been uh, there'd been sort of discussions over a contract, and Rowett hadn't signed the contract, and it, there'd been interest from other clubs, and and I don't think he'd totally. Um, discouraged some of that interest. You look at how little expertise there is at boardroom level in the championship in particular, where there is this sort of mad hiring and firing culture. Um, and you know, Zola has come in. To me, Zola is a very, very you know, well, no, he's not a very, very decent coach. He, he, he's, a, he's a coach with, with 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 some attributes and some qualities. He's not proven. He's, he's done a good job at some places, not so good at others. But I say where he succeeded has been with a certain type of squad, and it's nothing like the Birmingham squad, which is is full of sort of free transfer and, and, and loan signings from 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 all over Britain. It's not it's not a, a, a squad that has the Zola hallmark at all. So I, I could see him going in and struggling. Scoey, you're familiar with Rowett, and, and I'm curious. Can you just talk a little bit about how he was seen? in the game and and whether you think, I mean, after an experience like this where he got so much great press um, and then he runs into, and I, 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 so I've been dying to say their name, it's called the Trillion Trophy Asia Limited, uh, the, the new owners. And these guys came in, they don't like him. If people wanted to sign him before, he'll have no trouble getting a job, right? And it'll be in the championship yeah, and maybe with better owners than Trillion Trophy Asian Limited. Yeah, I think every cloud has a silver lining, doesn't it? And I think he's probably sitting here now he's in a position of strength where his reputation is, is still intact. He's a young manager coming through, um, did a very good job at Burton, gone to Birmingham in a real tough environment um, and done well, got them towards the the playoffs really, so sort of overachieved and, and I think a lot of clubs now would look at it, if you're looking out there thinking, where's a good up-and-coming young manager you would uh, look at him, and I think he'll get a good job off the back of it. One final point on this. Gregor Robertson does a little um, club guide for everybody. Uh, before you look down, Julie, I'm just going to ask you, how much do you think a pair of binoculars costs in real life? It depends the quality. You've got the little ones for the theater. You've got the big ones if you're hunting or watching birds, something like that. What's so, your range for? I would say between 50 and 100 pounds. Ollie? Uh, I, I would probably have said the same. But I don't know. I, I get the impression that maybe the, the ones at the Birmingham Club shop are maybe between, <laughs> quid. between you, three and five. Uh, you, can, four you can buy Birmingham City binoculars for just four pounds. Now, uh, wow. if they're any good, I think that is an absolute, absolute steal. Okay, enough of all this fun and games. How about some quick hits? Chelsea make it 11 wins in a row by beating Crystal Palace 1-0. Julian, I think the technical term here is relentless. Uh, if you were Conte, would you ask for reinforcements in January, just to be sure? And what kind of positions would you be looking to strengthen? First, before you put that time thing in, remember the bets. Remember the bet. By the way, two things. I told you Leicester will lose at Bournemouth. I told you two. And you say you're harsh, Julian. Bosch, this one, to lose I'm, just putting that, I'm just putting this one out there. The other one, I did tell you Chelsea would win <laughs> the next three matches. Do you remember that one? Or yes, hasn't happened well? yet. That's three games since we made that bet. It's not the third it game is. in Bournemouth. No, it's three now. It's three. 
It's three. It was two in midweek, and now it's three. So you so gotta you buy lunch. me lunch. Oh, I'm just thinking where I can go. Hmm. I'll come back to you on the phone. Just putting this one right. Anyway, yes, I think they need to to buy a defender, a centre half in January. I don't think Gary Kelly can play on that left. Zuma. And Zuma is back, but we don't know at what level. We don't know at what level. Ivanovic. Christensen is on loan. Ivanovic is. I won't use rubbish again because that's Nathan Aki. Trouble, but Nathan Aki is He's on loan, well. as you know. But he can come back. I think they need someone better than that. I think center half is the least of their confirms. I think they're thinking in terms of uh, another another center forward and some help in what, midfield. They don't have trust in Batshuayi. It'd be interesting to see with without Diego Costa and Conte what they do against Bournemouth. I'm not sure Batshuayi is good enough. And you're right, they might need an, an upgrade on young. him. But they paid Still a lot be. of money for him and he's still learning. Meanwhile, it's ugly and getting uglier for Crystal Palace, who have taken four of a possible 30 points since October 1st. Ollie, you spoke to Pards. Um, at least that's the impression I got reading your piece. Ooh. He says he'll be having his Christmas dinner, but he won't be tasting the cranberries. Can you translate from South London speak or wherever he's from? He, he's um, from South London, right? Uh, I think he is. Yeah. Pards, yeah. He, he, he likes um, he likes a, a metaphor or an, or an analogy, uh, Pardew, but but this wasn't one. I think he was simply saying that um, he's going to have his Christmas dinner, and because he's, he's in grim mood at the moment um, uh, and not in fine spirits, he, he might not be able to savor the food in, in in the normal way. I think that's that's the that's the long and short of what he meant. Did it wasn't you... anything to do with. Um, it wasn't a metaphor. Wasn't a reference to the early nineties band called the Cranberries. Do you mm. have cranberries with turkey anyway? Yeah, what's wrong with you, English people? What's your take on mixing the the no sweet way. and savoury? What? what this why? Is do you crazy. do that, Ollie? No, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you. Cranberry sauce, bread sauce, gravy, oh, all of it lashed on, all of it. You do it too. You, you put you put cranberries with no, your turkey? No. no, okay. It's mad. It's always sensible. What? You have the full tri- trimmings for no, Christmas. No, I don't. No I way. Don't. That's so weird. It's, it's odd to me. Anyway, uh, Tottenham Hotspur overcome Burnley 2-1, but Sean Dyche is furious, believing that Musa Sissoko, who provided the assist for Danny Rose's winner, should have been sent off for an earlier tackle. Scoey, I want to know what you made of the incident. It's one of those, yeah. You've certainly seen um, players sent off for that. Just you with uh, over the ball. Yeah, that's, they I, got can, jobs. I can see where he's coming from. I've actually been sent off for exactly the same thing at White Hart Lane myself. Really? And you weren't sent off very often in your career? Three times. Well, there you go. No, nah, four times. He's a relative innocence compared to Sergio Ramos, who I think is 22 in county. Oh, is it Zidane? Zidane only has 14, I think. Yeah, come on, find number 10. 14. Swansea lose to Middlesbrough 3-0, which means more negativity surrounding Uncle Bob, who also got stick in some quarters uh, for using the term PK, one of those Americanisms that seems to annoy so many because it's so difficult to understand what he could possibly mean. His next two home games are West Ham and Bournemouth. If you were Swansea, Julian, and to be fair, uh, you're nearly well, so you're kind of Swansea. Yeah. how many points would you say he needs to take out of those two games to be sure of his job? Oh, I think the pressure is huge. And every time we think that they're doing better, they're playing better, that the whole thing is going, you know, they're making progress. They go back to a horrendous display like the one on Saturday, which was really, really bad. I think he needs four points. Well, I guess two draws. If they don't lose, they probably that will earn him a bit of time, but the pressure is huge. And, and as you're almost American, I know, I know you like him. And I like Uncle Bob as well. And the, the PK made me laugh. The problem with him is that he went to Princeton, and and frankly, it's 
easier for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle than it is for a person who went to Princeton to be loved by God and good fortune. There are exceptions. I know, yeah, obviously Princeton is not your favorite. No. Jamie Vardy gets sent off. Leicester City go two goals down, but battle back to make it 2-2. Yet there's plenty of anger at referee Craig Pawson to the point that Howard Webb himself argues that it's, quote, daft for Pawson to be handed as big a game as Liverpool v City on New Year's Eve because it's massive, isn't it? Ollie, what do you think? And are you okay with Webb contradicting the almighty PGMOL? I'm all right with anybody giving their opinion on, on you know, as a pundit. I, I don't. I think people are far too sensitive about about what pundits think these days. And um, uh, I, I've no problem at all with Howard Webb saying that. But I, I don't particularly agree with it. It's if he's a Premier League ref, he should be capable of, of officiating a, a big game, regardless of whether he's made mistakes in, in, in the in the one before or the or the two before. Well, and, shouldn't the better refs uh, be given the more difficult games? Isn't that kind of a principle? Should, should Liverpool, Man City be a, a difficult one? Do, 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 do you see, do you see it being a, a, a you know a real dust up? I don't. I could see that. I could see there being lots of uh, offsides, very tight offsides, but I, I don't see it in the most physical or bad tempered of games. Um, but um, no, there's, there's, there's only one um, referee in the Premier League that I wouldn't trust with with uh, with a game, and I'm not going to name it. But I, I think he's he's very poor. So it's okay for other people to have opinions and go and uh, and be critical of refs. Not okay for but Ollie K won't do it himself. No, uh, exactly. Maybe I should name a chain. Nah. I'm close. <laughs> Jay Rodriguez bags two goals as Southampton win three one at Bournemouth. And given the injuries he's had, you can only be happy for him. I think. Uh, Scully, how difficult is it to come back from what he's been through? Obviously, you were never out for two years, but you had injuries as well at different times. Two years, it's very difficult. Two years is a very long time in football. I think most injuries, you know, you look at long-term, a cruciate ligament these days is six to nine months. Uh, two years is a long time. So f- fair play to him. I think as a footballer, you have to have the mindset. You just have to keep going, head down, keep going, and uh, you get out of life what you put in. So good luck to the lad. He's obviously worked very, very hard in his rehab, and uh, he was very good yesterday. You don't get out of life what you put in. You really don't. That's just something we tell people to keep them. The fact is that luck and misfortune can happen. and that The harder you work, the luckier you get. <laughs> I'm very happy for him. And I actually think that if he's close to what he was before, I really liked him as a player. And I thought he actually kind of got the shaft a little bit mm. with England even. I think he's just smarter than a lot of other guys who played for England in that position before he was hurt, obviously. Gab, yeah, one for you. We have a new world champion. Woohoo! It's Real Madrid. But why aren't English people more excited? Well, it's an age-old thing because they think this is a stupid tin pot competition because they didn't grow up with the culture of waking up way early in the morning and, and, and being excited to watch this because uh, uh, I remember speaking to Stevie Nichol who told me that about uh, when his Liverpool uh, team went out there to play Flamengo and it, it sounded like they kind of got off the plane, drank themselves silly on the trip over and then lost 4-0 and thought it was hilarious. <laughs> That's right. probably quite true, is it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they probably felt like, well, we know we're better than these guys. <laughs> um, although, to be fair, I think that was Zico's Flamengo. Yeah, so it was a good Flamengo. Um, but, look, I, I think the competition's obviously changed. You have to accept it for what it is. I thought this was a really entertaining game. Kashima Antlers were, were absolutely fantastic. No fear. In fact, they gave Real Madrid a huge scare. Massive controversial situation mm-hmm. with Sergio Ramos, who... I thought should have been his second yellow. The referee appeared to go for it, and it appeared as if somebody's in his ear, maybe the video assistant referee, maybe somebody reminding him that, wait, you can't send Sergio Ramos off. Uh, as it happened, Ronaldo scores a hat-trick, they win, and we have this wonderful dichotomy where many parts of the world 
This is a really big achievement, and it's a big deal. In England, it's not even on television. First time as well that they were using the video, proper video, not, yeah, well, not Vi just Scotland technology. Victor Kasai made a big call earlier in the competition. I think there's more to come on this, and there probably would have been more if uh, Kashima maybe had won this game or if uh, mm. somebody leaked something about yeah. what happened. It certainly was a remarkable incident, and you hope that it wasn't that. It wasn't just somebody reminding him, by the way, he's already been booked. Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many, many thanks to my guests today. Julian Lawrence, James Scowcroft, Ollie Kay taking time out to speak to us from uh, uh, the beautiful idyllic hamlet of Rippenden, which I'm told is near Halifax. And, of course, the excellent George Calkin. You can press that subscribe button on wherever you choose to download your podcast. Subscribe to The Times and you can... Read all our copies. Just £12 for a 12-week trial. Just search The Times online. We're going to be back next week on a new day, Wednesday. Anybody know why we're on on Wednesday? Now, Scoey's looking at me dumbfounded. Well, Christmas. because, that's right, there's a holiday called Christmas. The day after that is Boxing. We're also going on a holiday. So, basically, uh, we're looking at uh, next Wednesday. Happy holidays to everybody, whatever it is you celebrate. And uh, uh, we'll be with you soon. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.